0: This is Purple Radio On Demand.
1: Hi, I'm Sam. And I'm Louis. And we welcome you back to another episode of Chalkboard Ultra, investigating some of the most interesting problems in all of mathematics. What are we doing today, Sam? Today, we have another special guest on. Here to talk about all of the origins of
0: electromagnetism is Chris. Hi, everybody. My name's Chris. Welcome to... Glad to be here. Yeah, welcome. <laughs> welcome to the He's going to take, take over. Then. He's going to take welcome over. Welcome to the podcast. I'm now taking over. <laughs> Louis and Sam can go away. Let's <laughs> right, talk about electromagnetism. Lovely stuff. So, you are a student here at Durham? Yes. I'm a third year physics student. Very good, which
1: is a definite well, a, a take on us doing maths and maths and statistics. Better than
0: maths. It's all STEM. It's all STEM.
1: Give us a little more of an introduction to you, Chris. What are you?
0: What are you into? I guess apart from studying physics at uni, I'm part of the Butler C pool team. There are that well, many pool teams. How many are We've there? got, I think, five. But apart from that, I'm part of Sam's amazing Butler Jazz Band. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you very much.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think I've heard you play. You, uh, well, What do you play exactly? Is it I the, play
0: the bass
1: guitar. The bass guitar. Is that jazz? I thought jazz was just... Well, jazz the, is more traditionally the, the double bass, if you're going to use that. Well, um, if you
0: really want to go into it, they originally started with blues before jazz was even a thing. They had the double bass.
2: I thought you were talking about the origins of uh, electro Chris. Yes, Not the origins of jazz. <laughs> <the origins laughs> let's get, let's jazz. get back origins in Origins of check. jazz.
1: Let's get on with the episode. Electricity has just kind of been this thing that's always been around. Yeah, we do take it for granted, I'd argue, that it's always been
2: there, but I know that because Chris is here, there's a fascinating history of how we actually managed to get to our state of society now. Yes. What exactly happened with
0: Chris? It's quite an interesting story. So we've always known about things like lightning, of course.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, Static electricity as
0: well. Static electricity as well. So originally, people were investigating, they managed to figure out that lightning, static electricity were similar things. It wasn't until later on that people started to figure out different forms of electricity. So So uh, as opposed to static, what else do you have then? Conventionally, when you're taught physics, you're taught static electricity and just electricity Um, and wires and stuff like that. One of the major breakthroughs bridging this gap from static electricity to this electromagnetism was a person called Alessandro Volta, who actually invented something called a voltaic pile, which we call now a battery. It, all the way back in 1799.
1: 1799. Um, a long time ago, yeah. But how did they actually formulate this? Because electricity is, it, it's just like it's something from nothing. Well,
2: it's something that I'd imagine that scientists have been studying for ages, just never really knew how to grasp. I yes. mean, think this is, you know, 18th century Ben Franklin. He had the famous lightning experiment, didn't he? With yeah. him getting zapped. Yeah, so and clean. he
1: invented the kite, wasn't
0: it? No, I, he I
2: didn't. <laughs> I don't, you know, he probably did. I, look, this isn't, you
1: know, this isn't history. This isn't history.
0: Yeah, so my mate Ben, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what he basically did with that kite was he managed to he managed to find out that you can actually get energy from lightning so that these lightning strikes weren't just some, I want to say, apparition kind of thing. Yeah. Like, it's not just something that's it's there. It's something that, well, I mean, it provides energy. That's what mm-hmm. he discovered. Did they always
1: understand how weather came about, they, did they understand how the lightning was formed, or the fact that, you know, weather changes, thunderstorms, they exist?
0: Yeah, so relating that to the static electricity. Static electricity is formed when you rub two objects together of different types. Mm-hmm. Some of the electrons from one flow to the other one, which causes a charge buildup. If you know your charges, light charges repel, opposite charges yeah. attract, attract. So this static electricity is actually formed in clouds. Yeah, they basically found out that this uh, static electricity that we've known about for however long. um, Ever since
1: lightning was there, probably (laughs) since they thought the idea of Zeus. Yes. Who can harness the lightning,
0: supposedly. Yes, exactly. It was actually Michael Faraday in 1830s, around there, right? who actually had the idea that um, these lightning things are modern electricity from generators and stuff. And also, Alessandro Volta's battery were all the same kind of thing. They were all the same kind of electricity. Okay. Nowadays, we know it to be true. But back then, that was quite the revelation.
1: And I, I assume they didn't know each other. So in the 1830s, in the well, 1790s, they didn't know each other. They couldn't share their ideas. So it was all independent. So
0: Volta would have released his stuff. He made this battery commercially vi- viable. So all of these scientists afterwards, people like Hans Ørsted, Ampere, they all had these batteries and they used these batteries to create the electricity that they used in their experiments. Okay. It wasn't until much later on with Edison and Westinghouse that we actually got things like the national grid and electricity generated. Hang on, somewhere. we've
1: just we've just skipped a few levels there. Yeah, we went skip- from we'll get battery back to that battery to the national grid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> it's a very coherent path. I
2: remember back in my A-level physics days, there was the story of a charged wire that when it kept being flicked on and off, the compass that was lying next to it would
0: flick. A guy called Hans Christian Usted. Um He was in a class demonstrating that you could heat up a wire by flowing current through it. When he was showing this, he would flick on the switch and you would see the needle flicker flick away from magnetic north. We know compasses work by magnetism. In this class, he discovered that electric well, currents flowing through a wire would actually produce a magnetic field. Did that suggest there was some sort of a link between the two of them? Yeah. I mean, we call it electromagnetism now, so yeah. clearly there was a... But back uh, then, they didn't really have any idea about that. This was basically one of the first steps into actually uniting them. And was that done by accident then? Did
1: they just have the compass lying around while they were heating up this wire? I, I remember it... so.
0: That's... From what I've read and learned about this, yeah. it was
2: completely by chance. I mean... Uh, that, that usually happens. I mean, penicillin,
1: yeah, accident, exactly.
2: accident, yeah. I think.
1: Yeah. Or maybe someone went back in time to show them. I thought you said was. we couldn't go back in time. But that can't. That Bootstraps. Para, Bootstraps.
0: But... Can't be having that. Later with Ampere, when he basically did all the maths for this, worked out a bunch of the relationships, and then all the way to Faraday, making generators and motors and a lot of really useful stuff.
2: And of course we take just as a mm. Yeah, so yeah. I
1: can probably name out two hundred things in this room that use electricity and are powered by the national grid. So all the way from batteries to the national grid we've we've got it covered.
0: There's a lot of really interesting stuff about Faraday, actually. He was a self taught physicist. He didn't Really? Have, so no formal teaching whatsoever. He just picked up a book. Very little. He was disciplined in physics and chemistry. Mm-hmm. He basically discovered the main thing that he discovered is if you've got a changing magnetic field, um, that will induce something called an EMF in the wire. Electromotive uh, force. Oh, yes. I remember that, yeah. Which is technically a force, but it's not. What do you mean by technically a force? The actual units are it's the same thing as potential difference or voltage. Um, so an EMF is just. So it should be EMV. That reminds me too much of AMV. Well, we do we
2: we do AMV in decision theory. Really? Yeah. yeah.
0: Expected money value.
1: Oh, not electromotive voltage. No, 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 no. None of nah, that. Nah, nah.
0: Yeah. So basically, this induced voltage allows you to basically generate electricity from physical motion. Well, physical motion is the most simple. Well, hang on. Word. You said that it's
1: current going through a wire that produces that magnetic field but now you're suggesting that it's the other way around
0: yeah it actually goes both ways oh
1: so you're saying that if you have a
0: magnet that creates like no how, how does a magnet create so, electricity uh, the way, way that faraday them. can the way that you can do it according to faraday is you've got a magnet mm-hmm. you've got a wire move the magnet and the wire will experience well will have current flow
2: isn't that what uh, transformers use they use a big magnet or some sort of principle of
0: Yes, and, uh, that is why that is how Transformers work, and that came from this discovery as well.
1: I think a few of the eager listeners will know the names, Faraday, Ampere, and one of the other ones that you said, Osted. Osted, yes. Osted, yeah. But I think more famously you've got Edison, who is applied to electricity.
0: Yeah. Um, so he did quite a lot of work
1: with... So Edison- did, He did the works. He, he invented the light bulb, did he not?
0: Yeah, so Edison was a very prolific inventor during the late 1800s. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got inventions like light bulbs, the whole electric grid. That was his idea. To wow. get. So to actually create power plants that would gen- have the, all these generators developed by all the scientists in the past and actually commercially use them. So his whole system was he would light up the streets of the town he was in I think the area that he was in was Menlo Park. Back in those days, you'd only have like gas lights and things like that. But thanks to Edison, he actually brought into the world electric lights so he could light the streets at night. He How efficient was
2: his uh, electric company? Because, I mean, we do say that it, you said that there was a war or something.
0: Yeah, compared to nowadays, um, it was quite wasteful and not very efficient at all. He could only transfer power in about... I think it's either a mile or half mile radius around the power plants, which for Durham wouldn't <laughs> even wouldn't even escape the city, the main bulk of the city. You'd have to have one so in the center of the city, and it wouldn't get down to, for example, Josephine Butler.
1: Yeah. Well, using Edison's model, you'd have to have lots and lots of power plants just stationed every mile or so, yeah. or every two miles, if you could factor in
0: that radius. I mean, you
2: get a lot of money for Edison himself, but... It'd probably be very wasteful very expensive
0: yeah so you wouldn't be able to get electricity in rural areas that would just be out of the question straight away it would only be major cities so london would have it new york would have it yeah would leeds have it uh i don't know what leeds was like back in the day but well they're, they're quite prevalent in the
1: industrial industrial revolution they did a lot of coal mining that was their oh thing. yeah
0: so they would have had it had that's, not the, whole, that's not the whole that's not the whole
1: story it. because a lot of people argue that yes edison has his name on the light bulb Tesla independently was also quite a prevalent
0: inventor yeah so Tesla quite actually, a remarkable scientist yeah yeah he actually worked for Edison
2: yeah and there's uh, a famous really? yeah, yeah there's a famous yeah. story of uh, Edison tasking uh, Tesla to redesign some of his uh, inventions and said I'll give you this big wad of money which would have been a lot of you know particularly because of inflation yeah. would be a lot nowadays and Tesla redesigned it and Edison didn't give the money he said, well, you don't understand our American humor, is what he is, what he is set to have said, which is uh, quite appalling. And that's why Tesla, mm-hmm. uh, seeing his exploitation at work, slightly likely left and joined a different company. Now, this was uh, Westinghouse, and they offered an alternative to Edison's, what, what did he call it, direct current, which is where yes. just the electricity would flow in one direction. Yeah. Westinghouse offered alternating current. And this is, of course, where the big war of the currents start, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, so the war of the currents, as it's called, is between Westinghouse's company and Edison's company. Westinghouse was the person who actually decided to, well, actually pay Tesla and acquire his patents for generating AC and using AC and tried to basically change the world's opinion on which is better. Should we use Edison's DC that he's already installed everywhere or should we change it to this new form called AC? Much to Edison's dismay, Edison very much tried very hard to stop um, Westinghouse from succeeding.
2: There are very horrific stories that we you can hear that they would find people who had died via alternating current and then use that as a alternating current can kill. It was it was very pro- prolific. Yes, the, the sort of. Sort of a
1: I imagine that newspaper. with alternating current, because it was a new idea, the reason it took off was because it was a lot more efficient. Incredibly but pe- so.
2: But people thought it would kill you. In fact, what they do is they'd they'd kill animals to see if the current, which current was was safer. It was after the War of the Currents. This is 1902, I think 1902, 1903, where the war had ended, but they still thought, you know what, Thomas Edison Company, let's electrocute. An elephant because supposedly there was an elephant called topsy who'd been uh very egregious so they they did give it carrots laced with potassium cyanide and then so they, they gave it poison they gave it poison and then they electrocuted it so is and that, it's a video did they mm. it's a video they filmed it they, it's so called it's why did of they the
1: why did they give video. it poison
2: probably because they thought that because of an, uh, an elephant might not be able to might actually survive electrocution so
1: they wanted to demonstrate that electricity was bad for you so they found an alternate way to kill an elephant and then put electricity on it
2: there was someone called harold brown who seemingly took it on himself to try to show the dangers of ac live yeah. now at the time this was considered how shall i say a shocking spectacle yeah but I liked that. oh yeah you, there was always this whole sort of rumor of was edison actually involved with brown trying to put
1: down ac yeah what was what did yeah. the feud boil down to because the well the reason well
0: mm, what on. it would have boiled down to was edison's spent all this money on developing all this dc stuff and then it seemed um, like it would go to waste if
1: tesla took over with his ac yeah
0: it's it's just a normal politics politics exactly yeah. edison's not wanting all of his money and effort to go to waste. He's already built all of these DC stations. He's Mm -hmm. already built all of this infrastructure. And now to have Westinghouse come along with his company and completely replace it is quite a blow to the business. Yeah. And so how did that
1: get down to the public then? Were there some true Tesla followers and Edison followers? How did the word get around?
2: Well, it's money. That's a key thing because... AC was on the on the rise. As much as the anti-AC pro, uh, propaganda was everywhere, it was still an efficient thing to use, particularly yeah. if it was going to the rural areas, actually reaching everyone it could. People yeah. experienced the benefits of it. And that's why the War of the Currents was lost. We still use AC, and of course we do use DC, but AC is arguably a better alternative.
0: It's quite unfortunate that we had to have a war over these two different types of current, because we use both of them all the time nowadays but they've got very different purposes. The problem was Edison was trying to use DC in a way that it isn't good for. So direct current just has positive charges flowing, just going out there. This leads to a lot of waste, especially at long distances. But nowadays, all of our electronics, this sound desk next to me yeah. uses it. Your phone uses it. Computer screens use it. Because but how do they use direct current? It's because... It- Is it because it's like short distances it needs to go? In these electronics, the reason why we've got DC is because we need that constant positive charge. So with alternating current, the charges flow one way, slow down, flow the other way, flow back, kind of like a wave. Yeah. We need this direct constant current to just be there so we can basically do operations with it. How modern digital systems work is down a wire, you send a pulse of DC current. So it goes five volts, zero volts, five volts, zero volts, or 3.3 volts, depends on the system. Yeah.
1: So with alternating current, when you say it's going back and forth, is that positive charge going through and negative coming back? Or is it positive just kind of flowing? If you imagine like water in a boundary, it's the same force. It's just kind of going back and forth.
0: So how conductors work is it's only the electrons moving. Okay. Um, So the positive charges, the protons in the center of the nuclei of these atoms in this wire, they just stay there. Then these electrons, very slowly, mind you, do move forward and backwards, forward and backwards. And the actual electric field is changing its polarity.
2: So that's the interesting history out of the way. But where
0: can we apply
2: these things that we've learned about electromagnetism to, of course, modern day electronics?
0: Well, so one example that's quite easy to name at the moment, these microphones that we're using need electromagnetic induction. Also, these headphones that we've got on our ears are on my tablet, your laptops, they all need all of this stuff. Um, connecting to the internet requires an understanding of electromagnetism. I still find that an amazing feat, like just Wi-Fi. Yeah. So how these microphones work is you've got... I guess basically three components. You've got the diaphragm, which is at the, well, let's say at the front of the microphone. You make noise by speaking or from the environment. That makes the diaphragm go back and forth. Attached to the diaphragm is usually a magnet. Now that magnet travels back and forth through a, a conducting wire, copper wire, usually. Right. Oh, it's that induction thing you were talking about. Yeah. That's probably... The most common one, apart from headphones, which is literally the reverse. You just apply that alternating current to that copper wire. So, so cop- the sound that comes wire.
1: through the wire and then that propagates the magnet, which then d- propagates a the diaphragm into which the ears. Which pushes
0: the air back and forth. Sound compression. Sound. Yeah. Nice. Metal detectors, instead of having magnets and copper wires, they've just got two sets of copper wires. So they've got the... Principal one. I'm not sure the exact technical name for it, but the main one. It sounds pretty technical to me. So. <laughs> so they've got the main one, which is connected to a power supply, which reduces the AC current that we've been talking about. The one that produces this magnetic field thing. Mm. Now, you put this metal detector over something that's metal, metal things conduct. So right, this yeah. changing um, electric field causes an electric, well, magnetic field and electric field in this conducting object, this metal. Yeah which um, will then produce its own changing electric and magnetic field, which is detected by the secondary copper wire in this metal detector. That's what the metal detector detects, basically. It checks the secondary wire. If there's a current flowing through it, then there's metal nearby. If there's not, no metal. we have talked a lot about induction. That's, honestly, in- that's probably the easiest one to find examples for. Um, buses also use it actually. Um for their brakes. Um Would you like me to go into that?
2: Please do tell.
0: So buses and trains and trucks and all of those lovely huge locomotives, very, very heavy, aren't they? Yeah, incredibly. Um so how brakes normally work is they just work by friction. You just get two things, smush it either side and it slows down the wheels. Um however, these buses, trains. Trucks, heavy vehicles are going way too fast and way too heavy. They just will not slow down that way quick Mm -hmm. enough. If you've got somebody crossing the road in front of you, you need to slow down. So what they do is they basically use this induction principle. So there's another part of it that I think I might have mentioned earlier. But the fields produced due to induction, they always act to oppose the motion. So that uh, metal through a copper tube or magnet through a copper tube, that's how that works. The field sets itself up so that you're producing this field in this conductor. That conductor will then produce a field which slows you down. So they have this long metal pole. I believe it's a long metal pole down the center of the bus. They've got these, periodically down throughout the this pole, they've got sheets, kind of like brake pads, mm-hmm. along this thing. Then they have electromagnets around... These um, this bit. Um, so when they want to brake, they turn on these electromagnets and since the um, fields want to counteract the motion, the spinning thing connected to the engine, or connected to the wh- wheels, rather, will... Very, very much want to slow down. Yeah, and the more powerful you got the electromagnet, the faster it will I slow down. I have
1: no idea because you just imagine that because a bus works in a very similar way to a car and that it's an engine. That's what I thought as well. Wheels. It would just
0: be the same as a car. Like you just got those brake pads. But it does
1: make sense for may- maybe large ones, mm-hmm. like because the inertia going there. Yeah, the problem Probably is you
0: you'd have to have very, very large brake pads in that case. Yeah. But with this system, you can have these brake pads spread along this central. Basically, an axle. And trains kind of I'm happy with. Maglev. What That's
1: the one I'm just about to allude to. Ooh. What happens in the case of like bullet trains? Because they go incredibly fast and they run on like electromagnetic poles.
0: Yeah, so, it's for like example, levitation almost. Shinkansen in Japan. Yeah. The very, very, very fast one. Um, they basically work through magnetic levitation. You just got a magnet, another magnet. They don't want to be next to each other, kind of thing. So both um, north or both south in a way? Kind of, yeah. And then you have bits underneath so you don't go flying off. Yeah. Very, very, very much a marvel of engineering. Um, I believe they work in the same way. I'm not 100% sure because they are quite fundamentally different. Yeah. Because they don't work by wheels. They work by... Maglev, as you've said. Yeah, magnets trying to push away each other, basically. Um, So they probably use a similar principle. Yeah. Well, we've covered transport... We've covered electronics in day-to-day life. Another one that I find really, really cool is its use in medicine. Mm. So, have you ever had an MRI, either of you two?
2: No, but I know that the principle involves something to do with magnets. Isn't it the story that you've got to make sure you don't have any metal on you? Yeah. Well, If
0: you go inside with any metal on you, you will be stuck to that machine for a long, long time. Well, I've not had an MRI, but I've had a CT
1: scan that was... That's like a baby MRI. I was told it's
0: kind of yes. I think I remember
2: being told if you can't get an MRI, you better you get a a CT scan. Yeah, right. What happened? How CT
0: scans work? There, I can't remember the name. The first words: computer or computerized, something like that. It's basically using X rays. It's kind of like an X ray machine, but spins around you. Okay. Um, Well, that's what I
1: needed to do. I fell off my bike and I'd had a pretty bad turbulent. It was a whole mess. And they looked at me and thought that there was going to be some spinal fluid leakage from my head. I don't fully know how it works. I'm not into medicine. Some listeners might know that I'm extremely squeamish. So I didn't really ask too much about it. But I went for a CT so they could look inside my head and make sure that everything was okay. They just took an x-ray of my head, but very, very detailed.
0: Yeah, they basically just shoot x-rays, kind of, I think. But so that's a And then use computer technology to sort out. The MRI, on the other hand, works by extremely, extremely powerful magnets. Stronger than any magnet you'll be able to order online or in a shop. Do they ever get turned off and they're just running constantly?
1: I think um, that might be a bad idea. It's Constance.
0: probably cheaper to keep it running than to start it up, I think. Really? Because they, they use a lot of energy but they're so useful. There's
1: only got to be a select few in the world then if they use a lot of energy.
0: Um, well, they're not so much energy that they can't be in a lot of hospitals. Maintained, all right. So there's there's probably a couple in Durham. Might be one or two. I'm not I know that some universities,
1: all, but... especially ones with medical schools, will use them. Yeah. I enjoy going past the physics building or going through the physics building to come to my lectures. And I have to walk down the corridor that's for magnetometry. And all the time I just hear like physics magnet noises. So I, I don't think they've got an MRI, but they must have some kind of magnet things to go Yeah, to.
0: they've got a, I believe it's the one on the first floor is less than one Tesla. Like even like less than one Tesla. That's a lot of... Um, What's a Tesla? Ah, so that's how strong the magnetic field is. Mm-hmm. The strongest magnet in the world, It. do you want to guess how many Teslas it is? Like, its
1: like got to be like 100, 200 Teslas. 40 ah. 40 teslas I'm not is it like a magnitude scale like 1 tesla 2 teslas is it's 10 times like as much It's not like decibels it's
0: it's a linear scale Right um it's just very very strong Yeah so MRIs are really really cool they basically work by this magnetic field turning your all of your atoms into one direction kind of then you use radio waves to kind of offset them from that direction they align um, your spin. I yeah. That's literally what they align. Um I think it's the hydrogen atoms. I'm not one hundred percent sure. Hydrogen probably not helium. You'd probably don't have much helium in your body. Otherwise it'd um, be floating. Yeah, it's one specific atom that they're looking for, I believe. Um I believe you have to get um a what is it, an injection kind of thing. Like a dye kind of thing so that they can see it better. Yeah. Um, Hydrogen rich or something. It's like when they sometimes do x rays on your
1: stomach, especially, they get you to swallow like magnesium tablets or calcium tablets so that they block the x ray.
0: Yeah. So, another way that's used in medicine, they use something called electrodes. If you know what an electrode is, it's basically just kind of like the end well, of it. S- well,
1: everyone who's done a GCSE in chemistry will know the electrodes from doing that require practical having yeah, to. Yeah, yeah electrolytic.
0: Yeah. Separation or something like that.
1: Cathode and anode. Yeah. Catholic, panic.
0: So yeah. whilst I think there might be some things to do with that in biology, the the electrodes I'm talking about just rest on the top of your skin. They work by induction as well. Um, the way that they work is they basically, your nerves work by electricity. Yeah. So they detect this changing nerve stuff and then relay it to a computer and it can basically detect what you're doing. So they can use that in prosthesis. A lot of the high-end ones, costing like a lot of money, like yeah. 10K or something, probably more. They, For arm ones especially, they detect nerve impulses at the top of your arm, like you might twitch your bicep and it might move the hand into a new position. Flex. More. And it allows you to change the shape of these prosthetics so you can have, instead of back in the old time when you had only one shape for your arm, it would be stuck in one position. You can now... Change it into different positions. Oh, I like, like that. using motors and different techniques, and yeah, really cool.
2: <coughs> well, thank you very much, Chris, for a, a very interesting talk into electromagnetism, electrodes, electronics. I think we're going to run yeah, out. Yeah, we're going to run out of words. We're definitely going to run out of words. That's a lot of words in the business.
1: Yeah, just thank you again for agreeing to come on. It really, really has been uh, great having you here.
0: It's been a pleasure to be here, guys. Thank you very much for having me on.
1: Lovely stuff. Well. Thank you for listening to this episode of Chalkboard Ultra. We hope you found it as enlightening as we did.
2: Join us next week as we journey deeper into the wonders of mathematics.
1: Keep safe. And keep well.